This is my second home. Don't even start. Sit down. I'm done. <laughs> Sit over there with Jackie. Sit over there with Jackie. I'm calling sa Savior, Lord, we just say thank you for bringing us all together today. Thank you for our speaker, Marcus, God, Pastor Marcus. Thank you, Lord, for um, all the, the worship team that's here today. Lord, thank you for the praise band and the praise team. Lord, we say thank you for the media team. Lord, we say thank you for just everybody that you brought in, our, in your um, church to serve you, Lord. We ask you to have a great service. Let somebody be saved, God. Um, let everything go off without a hitch today, Lord. Um, let somebody be saved, Lord. Um, help us to be your hands and your feet today during the service. And we ask you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good morning, Vicky. Everybody say good morning, Vicky. Good morning. <laughs> I, had, I had to wipe my glasses off. <laughs> Hallelujah. talking about me.
Hey, that sandwich, that sandwich mom woke me up. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. New life at Calvary. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Yeah. Let's give God a good warm yeah. welcome today. We welcome all of you today, all of our members, all of our guests online. Good morning, Facebook. Good morning on our website. We are so happy to see you all out today. Well, before we begin our worship service, let us go to God in prayer. Well, Lord, we just say thank you, Lord, for bringing us to another Lord's Day, Lord. We just say thank you that you are the creator, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have created a new day in you, Lord. We thank you for this day, the week that passed us, um, and the week that's ahead. Lord, we just say thank you for everything that you have in store for us today at this worship service, Lord. We say thank you, Lord, for getting us up this morning, giving us a right mind to worship you, Lord. We just want to ask you, Lord, to just enter in, Holy Spirit, enter in our worship service today as we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, God. We give you the first of our lives, the first of our week, God, the first of our talents, Lord, the first of our treasures, God. And we just say thank you, Lord. We just want to give back just a portion of what you've given to us. God, we ask you to fill us today, renew our spirits, and renew our minds, God. Help us, the Lord, just be receptive to the word that you have for us today. Thank you for our speaker today, Lord. Hallelujah. We say thank you, Lord, for just the worship service that you have in store for us today. We are praying for those that are coming in online, God. We pray for those that need to hear a word today, Lord. We're praying for those that need to find a place to worship. Somebody that needs to know your son, Jesus Christ, as a Lord and Savior. So we ask you, Lord, to remove all distractions, Lord, and just call your people into your church today. Thank you, Lord, for those that we don't even know about that are listening and watching online, those that may hear us outside, God. Bring them into the sanctuary. Bring them in, Lord, to our worship service. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we just say welcome once again to church. We are so blessed today, everybody. We have a wonderful speaker today, Pastor Marcus Lloyd. In the front today, is going to be giving us the word today. Praise God. And we are so blessed. We have some visitors from Bay Presbyterian Church. Let's give Bay a nice, warm welcome. Praise God for you all today. 
Welcome to those in church. Welcome to those online. We just ask you, if you are visiting, you can fill out one of our visitors' cards in the back. If you are online, you can check your attendance online by giving us a like, putting a comment on Facebook, sharing our Facebook page so somebody else can get to know about Jesus Christ too. Amen? You can download our app, New Life at Calvary, and you can click on the About links, and there will be a guest and prayer card that you can also fill out. So is somebody ready to give God praise today? Is somebody ready to hear a word today? Praise God. So we're going to ask you if you are able to stand to your feet as the praise team sings, I was created to worship you. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. 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 You are the Lord of Lords. You are the King of Kings. You are the God of the universe, Lord Jesus. And we celebrate you today. We praise you today, Lord Jesus. We honor you today, Lord Jesus. You are our God. You are our God. You chose us, Lord. You delivered us, Lord. You saved us, Lord. You redeemed us, Lord. You made a way out of no way, Lord. You picked us up, Lord. You gave us a fresh start, Lord. You gave us who we are, Lord. And we can't thank you enough. We say thank you, Lord. 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 For your goodness. For your today as we worship you Lord as we sing songs of praise to you today Lord as we listen to your holy word today Lord we pray that we will not be the same we don't want to be the same gracious God there are those today under the sound of my voice that are really hurting their marriages are suffering their health Lord Jesus they've received some diagnosis that we don't even know what the disease is, Lord Jesus. And we're praying for your healing upon their bodies. Lord, there are those that are in jail, incarcerated right now, Lord, made to feel like less than humans, Lord, today. But Lord, shine a light down on them right now in the name of Jesus, that they would feel your light that they would feel your love and that they would know that just because their body may be inside that their spirit is free 
Lord, we lift up all those that are in hospital today, on hospice today, Lord. Some people are going to come home and see you today, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that, that their journey would be swift. Some babies are entering the world today, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, as they are on the way, Lord, that you would touch their lives too. Lord, we are so grateful to be your people. We are so honored, Lord, to be who you have called us to be. And we continue to pray you would bless us. Bless this entire service, Lord. Every single portion, Lord. Bless our guest speaker today, Marcus, Lord. Continue to anoint him and encourage him. Bless his family way in Texas, Lord. Bless his family that they may feel you and know you deeper. Lord, it is a privilege and an honor. And we thank you and we praise you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you would all rise with me as we recite our church purpose statement and what we believe and what we agree to do. In response to God's love, our purpose is to love others, teach the word of God, and reach the world for Christ. Therefore, as a covenant partner, I will invite others to come and join me in worship I will be a part of a small group Bible fellowship to grow in Christ. I will serve in the ministry with my gifts and talents. I will do my part in faithfully giving my tithes and offerings to keep the ministry of Jesus Christ alive in the world. I will love all those who enter our doors and accept them in our midst. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As Andrea comes forward to deliver the scripture reading for us today. Praise God. Praise God. We are so grateful. Today's scripture reading is from the New Testament. We have one reading from Galatians chapter 2. Verse 11 through 14. <clears throat> when Cephas came to Antioch, this is Paul opposing Cephas. Paul opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain people came, <clears throat> came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentile because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that, you're forced, that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Thank you, Lord. May the Lord have a blessing upon the word, his word.
Thank you. Praise God. Can anyone tell me what time it is? It's offering time. And what do we say? Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. And it's so good to be able to give back to God in the form of our offerings. Today, Sunday, saints, it is the fourth Sunday of September. Can you believe it? Fourth Sunday of September, and on the fourth Sunday, our special offering goes to support our two-cent a meal. Can anyone say they've eaten good this month? (laughs) We did some good eating, and I know I just did all the way in Texas. Y'all saw them ribs down there, y'all? I owe more than two cents this time. So we're going to invite everyone, if you're able, to give to our two cent a meal, which goes to support our hunger ministries. We feed people in our communities. We provide food bags. We provide hot meals. And it's all because of your gifts and your giving that we are able to do so. So as, as our ushers come forward, let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious and holy God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great provider. You make sure, Lord, that all of our needs are met and beyond. We thank you, Lord, for every time we've eaten, every time we've had a form of transportation, every time we've had a place to lie our heads or clothes to put on our backs. Gracious God, we want to be found faithful. Help us, Lord, to meet the, the community needs, Lord, those that do not have or those that need a little bit more. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bless these tithes and offerings to be used for your kingdom and your people, your church. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. As our ushers are collecting our offering, we have several easy ways for those of you that are joining us online to participate in the offering today. You can go ahead to NLAC.tv and establish your online giving account. Those of you that like to use Cash App, go ahead, put that dollar sign in, the number two, and your offering comes right to us. Dollar sign, number two, NLAC, and your offering comes right to us. For those that like to mail in or drop off your offering, our address is 2020 East 79th Street, Cleveland, Ohio, 44103. That address again is 2020 East 79th Street, Cleveland, Ohio, 44103. We will now be blessed in song by a new guest for us today. Let us all welcome Mr. Dwight Paris. Amen. Praise God. I don't feel I'm a guest. At least I shouldn't be. So glad to see everyone. Have you had a time when you, in life, you feel like the walls are closing in on you and you can't get what you want? But if you think about Jesus and make him the center, you'll get what you need. the center of my joy all the 
that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction, you're the compass of my way. Yes, you are the fire and light when nights are long and cold. Yes, in sadness, you are the lifter that shatters all my fears when I am all alone. Thank you, Jesus. Your hand is there to hold. Oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment. Oh, oh, I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Let me tell you, you are why I find pleasure in the simple things in life. Yes, you are the music in the meadows and the streams. Hey, yes, well, you are the voices of the children, my family and my home. Yes, you are Alpha and Omega of my highest dreams. Oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. The hope of all I do. Let me say now, hey, Jesus, you are the center of my joy. Jesus, you are the center of my joy. Jesus, you are the center. Oh, when I'm lonely, then it's sad. 
of Glenville New Life Community Church, praise God. Amen. He was um, he was in the choir, so we are so glad to have you back to sing with us one more time. Praise God. Come back whenever you're ready. All right. Today, I'm going to introduce our speaker, Pastor Marcus Lloyd. He is the CEO and founder of Threaded. Some of you may or may not have heard, we've been talking about Threaded for some time now. Have y'all heard Threaded, right? And we have some groups that is about to start. He uh, Threaded is a biblical racial reconciliation and unity ministry, okay? Um, and has collaborative efforts and community engagement. Now, Marcus Lloyd, he is a catalyst for Unite Greater Dallas. He is he lives currently in McKinney, Texas, where me and PK just came from. Praise God. And he is a certified cultural intelligence trainer, speaker, writer, singer, praise God, actor, director, and a host of a popular podcast, Color Commentary. Um, he also studied at Fuller Theological Seminary, Yale University, praise God, and Texas Christian University. He has a wonderful wife, Lisa, and two boys. Please give a warm welcome to Pastor Marcus Lloyd, everybody. Man, what a, uh, what a great introduction. It is a uh, you mind if I move up a little closer to y'all? All right, I'm going to move up a little bit. I'm going to move it, up, move it around here. Man, it is a, it is a privilege uh, to be here with you. I'm so thankful that God got me here. I know coming all the way from Texas, it's a long trip. Uh, as, as the Pastor Antonio and Pastor Kelly know, uh, we trade in uh, areas as they came up. They went down to Texas. I came up here to Cleveland, and it's been just a wonderful. I know you were treated well in Texas. Um, and probably not as great as I've been treated here in Ohio as well. Uh, this has been great, except, except for Thursday. I, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh. 
Well, I just lost the whole church right there. I lost the whole church. Hey, come on. You got to love this. I, I run a reconciliation ministry, right? We got to work this out. We got to work it out. Thank you very much. But other than Thursday, it's been uh, a wonderful time being able to see the city. Uh, I went down to Cincinnati on Friday and Columbus as well. So got around in Ohio, have eaten some great food, have been hosted very well. Uh, and it's just a pleasure to be with you today. I've been treated warmly as I've been here at the church as well. Heard a lot about New Life at Calvary, and I feel so humbled and privileged to to be here and standing in this pulpit that I know has been uh, cared for very well by Pastor Kelly and Pastor Antonia. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to come and uh, address this beautiful uh, group of folks. Uh, I am, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I love being in a church like this. I, uh, you know, some might call this a black church from the outside. Now I need to tell you that uh, I have, did not grow up in the black church. I had a tangential relationship with the black church. During the summers, my grandmother, I would go and stay with her, and I would be in the black church for quite a while. But my family, my dad grew up, my parents and uh, both grew up in black neighborhoods. My dad grew up extremely poor. And one of his commitments to himself is he wanted to leave and go and, and, and not be poor again. <laughs> And so he worked real hard, and he got lots of opportunities and went to school, got a, a chemical engineering degree, uh, and then got a very nice job. And then uh, after a bit of time, he moved myself and my brother and my mother out into the suburbs, chasing after the schools. And when we got up there, it was, it was a lot different. We were one of uh, three black families in the neighborhood we moved into, and everybody knew where they lived. You know what I mean? And we had been going to uh, the oldest black church in Houston, Antioch Church. But it was now about an hour and a half from where we lived. And as much as we love that church, my mom grew up with that drug problem, you know. Drug to church every Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. When she had that problem. And she wanted her kids to have the same addiction. And so she didn't want to have to drive an hour and a half every single day or twice a day down to the church. And so she wanted to find a church that was a little closer. Now, in our area, the churches that were close were predominantly white churches. But my parents, although they wanted me to be engaged in the area where I was, meet friends, have church and experiences, they wanted me to have my vitamins, too. So when we'd go to church, we'd do a little something before and after church to keep us connected to the black church. See, in my family, in my home, we had these intercoms all throughout the house. Now, what they were supposed to do, they were supposed to keep people from yelling around the house. You're supposed to go in the intercom and say something to people. But that didn't stop my mom from yelling my name from time to time throughout the house. But on Sunday mornings, we would use this intercom. And my dad would turn on the intercom the same time every Sunday morning. And he would play gospel music through the intercom. And so I don't know what it was about this station he was on. But it must have had a schedule of a time when they're supposed to play certain songs. Because every Sunday morning, a song would jump up. He'd turn on that intercom, and you'd hear, You got the sunshine 
shine in my life. You are the lifeline that saved my life. I loved that song and hated it at the same time. Because I knew when I heard that song, it was time for me to get my butt out of bed and go to church. Right? And we get into the car and, and we we turn on the music again and you'd hear, When I, when I look around and I think things over, Reverend Jones would just be going after it on that. <laughs> oh, you don't have to play it. It's okay. But we hear those songs, and then we'd go into the, the, the white church, and it would be, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to say. Oh, yeah. We'd hear that, get right back in the car. We'd turn on that radio. I'm coming up on the rough side. Come on now. Up the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You sound good. Y'all sound good. So I miss and I love the music. I was so appreciative to hear you guys play that music. It brought me back. It got me my vitamins that I needed. But see, that was my life. I was constantly going back and forth between these two cultures. Right? I would have this, this, this black culture that I was very connected to, that my parents wanted me to keep connected to. But throughout the day and when I went to school and throughout the neighborhood, I had this white culture that was right there. And as I grew up, I was always finding myself going back and forth between the two. Right? When I was with my white friends, I would talk a certain way, I'd dress a certain way, I'd listen to certain music. When I was with my black friends, I'd talk a certain way, dress a certain way, listen to a kind of music. And I remember my dad coming to me at some point, and he goes, son, you are going to exhaust yourself. And he said this to me, and this is something that has, I've been carrying with me throughout my whole life. He said, son, he said, your black culture is going to let you down. Your white culture is going to let you down. Your family is going to let you down. But if you want to know who will not let you down, you need to put your identity and your faith in Jesus Christ. Because he will never let you down. And so as I grew up, I realized that there were things in my life that when people saw them, they would go, that looks a little bit like what white people do. Because I was swimming, and people were like, you ain't supposed to be swimming. What are you doing over there? And then I do things over here that black people did. And it was this constant understanding that I can have all of that inside me and put my identity in Christ and move forward. And I think that's what prepared me to do even the ministry that I get to do these these days right here, you heard the, 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 the ministry that I get to lead, which is Threaded. And Threaded is, as uh, Pastor Antonio said, it is a biblical racial reconciliation and unity ministry. What we say about the ministry as far as what we want to see, we want to uh, inspire and help others to build real relationships, authentic relationships, cross-cultural relationships, not just kind of the, the kumbaya kind of relationship, but real relationships that move to conversations where we get actual things said, truth being told, reconciliatory things where we get to get all the things out that we need to say so that we can actually be united without all the things that have divided us. And from then, we want to move to see the people who have, have built relationships and been reconciled to the people of God to go and collaborate in the community for community transformation. To be able to look and see where are the hurts and the pains in the community, and let's go as this unified front to there and show them who God is in the community. 
And ultimately, the, the, the reason we're thinking about this and do this is we, we, we put it in the, the body of Christ as where we want it to go. Because we believe that the gospel is the only way to engage this problem. And we want to do this in such a way not to glorify ourselves, but we want to be able to glorify God with who he is and who he actually looks like. See, a couple of years ago, when we talk about the, 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 how we think about this, I, I was given the privilege of being taken to Italy. And when I was in Italy, I got a chance to go to the Vatican. Now, I don't know if you've been in the Vatican before. I, I had never been in there, and somebody had to pay for me to go. But when I was in there, you find that there are all these rooms inside of the Vatican. And they got rooms for everything in there. They got rooms for the jewelry in there. They got rooms for wardrobe in there. They got rooms with paintings on the walls, rooms with paintings on the ceilings. And I remember as we were walking through the Vatican, and we were walking, and I turned a corner, and I was looking down this long hallway, and down the hallway there were some of the most beautifully intricate pictures that I had ever seen in my life. And I thought, oh, we're just in another painting room. But as I started sauntering down this room and looking at these what would-be paintings, I started examining this one painting, and I noticed something strange as I was examining it. I noticed these small, colorful threads. And what I realized is that I wasn't in a painting room. I was in a tapestry room. I was looking at a tapestry. And I remember stepping back from this big piece of fabric woven together by thread. And I had this one thought that stuck in my mind. This thought, it said this, who created this? Who is the artist that can envision this beautiful picture with all these different people and landscapes and the art that it was creating and its beauty and its, 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 its brightness. How could, the, who, who envisioned this, but then who could take what they were envisioning, take these disparate colorful threads and weave them together in such a way as to create the same image that they had in their, in their head? Who did this? In my heart, in my ministry, and in my life, is that I desire that when people see the church from the outside, that they would have the same response. That they would see us in all of our differences. We have the different cultural differences and ethnic differences and racial differences, denominational differences, political differences. But they would see us and they would see how beautiful we are. They would see how unified we are and how much we connect and collaborate together in the community. And they would be forced to say and ask the question, who is the God who threaded these people together? And so that's the heart of our ministry and what we desire to do. And yet, when we look at our lives, we look at the church, I think there's a different view. Dr. King said it best years ago. He said, 11 o'clock on Sunday is the most segregated hour in America. But he actually took it a little further. He said, the church is the most segregated institution in America. Now, this was an indictment on that church at that time, but church family, I think if we're really honest with each other, it's an indictment on us as well. You see, there is a picture of what the church is supposed to look like, and if you'll humor me, I want to read a passage that wasn't necessarily read before uh, in Revelation 7, 9. Could you stand with me, if you would, as I read this beautiful text, this beautiful vision of what the church looks like. Revelation 7, 9 says, and after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe and every nation 
and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Can you say that with me? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Now these folks were standing in the throne room of God saying that with all tribes and tongues and nations. And here we are standing here. Look around. What's missing? All tribes and tongues and nations. You see, this experience of heaven is one that we are still striving for here today. You guys can have a seat. Now, this is not... Now, part of this separation, if you will, is intentional. There are two ways in which we see ourselves remaining in these sort of separated and segregated ways... And one of them is by organized oppression, and another is by personal decision. See, there's an organized oppression that's at work, that has been at work to divide peoples in this country. We know it historically. We've seen what they've done with the redlining and how that worked out. We see what they do with the trans, with the, with the, 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 uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm losing my words here. With the, way we tra- with the way we travel throughout the city, transportation, we see what it looks like with the hospitals and the grocery stores and the corporations, right? There's some organized oppression that created these divisions that we see in the church today. There's also an organized oppression that has nothing to do necessarily with the, the environment we're in, but the organized oppression that desires to see the church divided is actually the devil himself. The enemy, the powers of this dark world, they work constantly to try to divide the people of God because the devil knows that if the people of God are unified, that he is going to be in trouble. And that everything that God is attempting to do, wanting to do, will be done because we will be doing it the way God said he wanted to do it. And so the devil and his minions are going to be creating lots of opposition to that. Now, along with this organized opposition, there is personal decisions decisions that we make. You see, segregation is something that was done by law. I mean, you couldn't do anything about it. But now what we see, if the church is divided into all the different ethnic groups that we have, this a lot of times is by separation. It's intentional. It's a choice that we make. Now, sometimes we just like to worship with people who are like us. We like to just be people who understand us. They can feel what we're going in in our world. They play the music that we like. They look like us. And so we make the decision to worship with people like us. Some people want to go to other churches, but they're afraid of what might be said about them from those that they leave. They're going to they're, they're gonna go call them certain names when they leave and go and worship in that way. And so sometimes the, the decision is, I'd rather just stay here amongst the group. There's also racism at play. You see, because some people have left the church and tried to go to other churches, and when they get there, they are treated terribly. 
And so they go back to their cultural space. And sometimes the racism is, I just don't want anything to do with that other group. Those are personal decisions that we make. And maybe some of you guys feel like that. Maybe you've been in those situations. Maybe you feel that personal decision. You see the the opposition that's there. But the Bible speaks of something different. The Bible says something different. And the one thing that I think I'm going to say quite a bit throughout this message is this. Don't let culture keep you from the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your culture rob you from the opportunity to experience the fullness of the kingdom. If you open your Bibles to Galatians 2, 11 and 14, I know some of you, 11 through 14, I know some of you are already there. What's happening before we get to this particular passage is the Galatian church is having a cultural assimilation problem. You have the multicultural church that's created between Jews and Gentiles. You see, Jews and Gentiles were the ethnic groups inside of the Bible. If you're reading the Bible and you want to see the major ethnic groups, it's Jews and Gentiles. It's, it's Jews and everybody else, basically. If you're just not a Jew, you're just in that Gentile spot. And it's broken down into lots of stuff. We here, many of us are from that Gentile space. And so you've got this Jews and Gentiles, and they're trying to create this church together But they got an assimilation problem because the Jews, the cultural Jews, are saying to the Gentiles, if you truly want to be a follower of Yahweh, you have to assimilate and become like us. You have to do the things that we do. You got to eat the food that we eat. You got to not eat the food we don't eat. And you've got to be circumcised. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would have come to Jesus if that was a requirement. So you know the Gentiles are like, we're not getting circumcised. I don't know what you're talking about. And yet you've got this strong pressure from the Jewish culture trying to get these Gentiles to do this. And then we have Paul. So Paul is writing this letter to remind them that it is not about the cultural things, but it's about the kingdom. So verse 11, he says it. He says that there was an issue, though, that was happening, and Peter was actually leading the issue on what was going on with this cultural oppression. Verse 11, he says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? See, Peter had been hanging out with the Gentiles, having no problems. He was going to their houses, he was eating BLTs and pork rinds and barbecue ribs and loving it all and all of a sudden he caught word that the uh the culture police were going to be heading to his town the circumcision party these are the folks who put a lot of pressure on those who had decided to go eat barbecue pork ribs not the big beef rib that you ate pastor kelly i know you were in texas we eat the big beef ribs down there i don't i mean the pork is good but the beef is right on so 
But they were coming to take away his opportunity to do all of that. And so what did Peter do? Peter, instead of staying strong in what he knew was the kingdom work, he decided that he was just going to creep back over to his culture. Creep back over. And what he did when he got over there is he started acting like he'd been there all the time. He started eating gefilte fish and matzo balls with the harissa sauce. And Paul called him out about it. Paul said, I know what you've been up to, Peter. And he opposed him to his face. Because, because Peter, and this is important, right? What Peter was doing was not in step with the truth of the gospel. See, the gospel is a twofold thing. When I was growing up, most of the time when you talked about the gospel, you talked about this idea of reconciling with God, right? He, through Christ, you are reconciled to God. But there's another aspect of the gospel that we don't talk a lot about. And in Ephesians, it gives us a really clear picture of what this reconciliation looks like. There is a reconciling with God, a reconciliation with God, but there's also a reconciliation with people. There's a vertical reconciliation with God and a horizontal reconciliation with people. And this reconciliation that was done on the cross, as you go through Ephesians, you will see that it was a reconciliation specifically designed to reconcile Gentiles to Jews. That is an ethnic, cultural, racial reconciliation. That through Christ Jesus, his desire, his plan, when he went to the cross, was to create a bridge for Jews and Gentiles to be together. See, when he stood on the cross and he put his hands up and he said, it is finished, what he's saying, what is finished, is his plan to create a pathway for this reconciliation was now able to be done so that this image of Revelation 7-9 that we read could actually happen. And so when Peter decided to go back to his culture, he was dishonoring the kingdom and out of step with the truth of the gospel. You can't let your culture keep you from the kingdom. And what was funny is Peter should have known better. I mean, Peter should have known better. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He was there at the Great Commission. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, you got the Great Commission. And what did he say? Go now and make disciples of all what? Nations. Now, the Greek word for nations is ethnos, which is where we get our term ethnicity. But when you see nations, particularly throughout the New Testament, it is, it is talking about other than Jewish. So Peter knew when he said, go make disciples of all nations, he knows that he's supposed to be engaging with Gentiles. Peter knew better. Peter should have also known better. Peter was there at Pentecost. When the, heavenly, when the Holy Spirit comes down in tongues of fire and uses language to draw the Jewish cultural Jews from all over the world to the place to hear about Jesus. And guess who gave the message? Peter. He gave the message. Peter should have known better. Peter should have known better also because he was there for the Gentile Pentecost. You see, God came to Peter in a vision one day, and he had a sheet come down from heaven and show him all the, the, the nasty things he wasn't supposed to eat. And God is like, kill and eat. And Peter was like, no, I'm not supposed to eat that, God. And he's like, who are you talking to right now, Peter? Don't call something unclean that I'm telling you is clean. He was preparing him for what he was about to see when he went to Cornelius' house, the Gentile centurion. And Peter came to the house. Again, this is Peter, who should have known better. He comes to the house, and before he comes in the house, he's like, um, Cornelius, you know I'm not supposed to be in here, right? 
because we're not supposed to hang out with you guys, but I'm going to go ahead and step in here with you because God told me to. And then while he's talking, boom, the Holy Spirit drops. And he sees the Spirit of God fall on the Gentiles in the speaking of tongues. And what does Peter say? I know now that God shows no favoritism. He was making a ploy. He understood that there was a reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. And then Peter went right after that to the council in Jerusalem and had to tell the story and, 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 and promote what he just saw so that they could understand that God was here for the Jews and the Gentiles. Peter should have known better. And yet here he was letting his culture keep him from the kingdom. What I love is that when he was, when he was, up, when, when Paul uh, opposed Peter to his face, Peter was in Antioch. Y'all remember the name of that church? Antioch was the place where when, when the Jews were scattered, you had some who went to Antioch and specifically started ministering to the Greeks. And then created this multi-ethnic church of Jews and Gentiles there in Antioch. And it was in Antioch where when people saw this, they had no idea what to do with it. They were used to seeing Jews that worshipped together. They were used to seeing God-fearing Greeks that kind of worshipped together. But when they came to Antioch, they were creating a church that included the God-fearing Greeks and included the Jews. And when the people saw this, they said, we don't know what to call these people. We should probably, what are we going to call them? I don't know. Let's call them something based on what they keep talking about. And what name did they give them? Christians. Peter was in the very place where the name Christian began, and the name Christian was given because of the multi-ethnic church that nobody knew could exist. Our very foundation was built on that. Peter should have known better, but he let his culture keep him from the kingdom. Now, I can't be too mad at Peter, though, because I I understand why Peter did it. Peter did it because a couple of reasons. One, Peter loved his culture. And why wouldn't he? I mean, he loved the music. He loved the the food. He loved the history. They were, he was a part of the tribe. He was a part of the people that were called God's people. He was a part of the people that God had liberated from slavery in Egypt by pulling tent by plagues that were coming down from heaven. He was a part of the people who walked on dry land when the Red Sea was parted. He was a part of the people that walked around the the Jericho and watched the walls fall down. Of course, he loved his culture. He wanted to go back. That was a reason. I understand that. But you can't let your culture keep you from the kingdom. I also understand Peter because if I'm Peter, I don't want to get kicked out of the culture. See, when you make those steps into the other side, if you will, into the multi-ethnic space, you always have this sense that you're not fully accepted by the, uh, your culture. So there's these things that make you bring back. You know, you don't want to be that person that's called those names. You know those names they have for people who go away from their culture. Infidel. <laughs> Uncle Tom. Sellouts. In the black culture, they call them an Oreo. Hispanic culture, they call them a coconut. My Asian friends get called a banana. You got one color on the inside and another on the outside. Peter didn't want to deal with all that. He wanted to be accepted in his culture. He wanted to be engaged and loved. And you didn't want to lose your culture because you didn't know if something goes wrong 
between the Jews and Gentiles, if, if you, don't, you want to be able to ha- be connected to your culture so you have someone who's going to have your back, you can guarantee it. Because in that mixed space, you just don't know. It requires a lot of trust. And so Peter didn't want to be kicked out of his culture. Now, this is just speculation. But based on my own experiences growing up in a cross-cultural environment, I would, I would imagine Peter also, he might have been getting tired of the poor treatment he was getting that was happening with the Gentiles. As much as they pulled the church together and they loved God, they still hadn't figured out how to necessarily engage with one another. There are probably times where Peter was in a place at the barbecue having a good time and somebody dropped a, a racist Jew, Jewish joke that they thought was really funny. And Peter had to just, <laughs> just laugh it through. Perhaps they would say things that they were unintentionally triggering to Peter. Perhaps, Peter, we only hear stories about where the, the Jews and the Gentiles were hanging out together and things were good. But who knows what Peter was experiencing in there? It's possible that there were folks who, who turned away from God. They came into the church and they wanted to play with this multi-ethnic space. But, but their culture, the Gentile culture, got the best of them. And they started attacking Peter. And telling him and calling him the names that he didn't want to be called. So Peter might have just needed a break. He might have just needed to step away to get recharged and renewed in the midst of his culture. And yet, we can't let our culture keep us from the kingdom. Because the kingdom is not about Jews or Gentiles. It's Jews and Gentiles. It's not about black or white. It's about black and white. It's not about Republicans or Democrats. It's Republicans and Democrats. I noticed y'all didn't say nothing on that one. Got real quiet, Pastor Kelly. Everybody was like, wait a second. Hold up. Hold up. Don't let your culture keep you from the kingdom. Because, see, the kingdom is a mixture of everybody in the world. We saw it as we were reading the passage, all tribes, tongues, and nations. And here's the thing, that kingdom was not created by accident. It was intentionally created since the very beginning of time. God has been working to create an environment in which he would have all tribes and tongues in his throne room. You can see it all the way from Genesis 12, 3, where he comes to Abram and he says, you will be my people and your people will be a blessing to the nations. Jesus was that blessing, creating a pathway so that all people could come to know Christ and that he would eventually get this church in heaven that would have all tribes, tongues, and nation. It was intentional. And when you get to this church, this church is not just an okay church in heaven. It's not just a good church. It's the perfect church. Because when God creates something, it's not just a subtle thing. It is the perfect version of it. And so we strive for that. Now, this doesn't mean that culture is irrelevant. Culture is very much a part of what we need to make up this beautiful tapestry. But what we need to recognize is this culture is a cult. We we engage culture for an idea of evangelism, not church creation. See, in evangelism, you create these, you've got the the biggest door, which is at the door with the cross. At the foot of the cross is the biggest door that opens up and let anybody in. But sometimes to get to some folks, you've got to go to where they are. You've got to create a smaller door that maybe looks like a cultural door. And you bring them in and help them understand how their culture works towards this cross culture. But sometimes what we do is we create a small door. And people come through that small door. 
and they find a building with people who are just like them and they think, oh, this must be it. Oh, this is what heaven is like. This is fantastic. But what we need to do is we don't need, when they come through that small door, we don't need them to come into a building. We need them to come into a tunnel. And at the mouth of the tunnel, you may see people like you, but at the end of the tunnel, we're always pointing, hey, this is fun what we're doing right here, but there's something greater at the end of the tunnel that we need you to be making your way toward. That's what it looks like. So culture is good for evangelism, but not church creation. We can't let our culture keep us from the kingdom. And as the church in this day and age, we have a few reasons that we need to pursue this multi-ethnic diversity of all tribes and tongues and nations. First of all, it is the future of the American church. Practically speaking, our communities are becoming more and more diverse. Across the world, 2050, or across America in 2050, we will see it will be minority minority majority in this country. Right? And in this community and the communities all over, you are probably seeing a, a, a growing in diversity of people from all different cultures that are coming into it. That is going to happen. It's not stopping. So the church has to be able to know how to minister and to love and to engage all the cultures that are in our, our communities. And we also have our kids to think about. I don't know about you, but my kids growing up in a much more diverse environment than I ever grew up in. And so when they come to a church that's homogenous, it doesn't match anything else that they're doing in their lives. And so they don't trust it. And then they read the scriptures about a Revelation 7 church that has all tribes, tongues, and nations, but they come to their church and it's just a single thing, and they don't understand it, and they walk away because they don't believe us. So we have to do that for because it's the American church, the future of the American church. And as we've already said, one of the reasons to do this and engage in this, it's the future of the church. It is where we are headed. The throne room of God is full of people from all tribes and tongues and nations. What I think is fascinating about that is when you read that passage, it's almost like God is saying, I'm going to sit here, and if you want to be close to me, you're going to have to be close to all of my people. And if you don't, if you want to go create a Hispanic church, an Asian church, a white church, a black church, you actually got to step away from the throne room to do it. you got to step away from God and what he's about. And I think that's what we found ourselves either intentionally or unintentionally doing even today. And so we need to diversify because it's the future of the American church. It's the future of us and the church. But it's also the way we get the most authentic experience with God. If Revelation is the perfect church, it means that not living this way is missing something. It's beautiful to get and to do the things that we do as a culture. But if that's the, if that's the way it's going to be, there's something greater that God desires for us to experience. I was telling a story about this to, to Pastor Kelly a few weeks ago. There's a, a radio station in, uh, in the Dallas area, and it's, you know, the Christian stations are, are segregated in that area, too. You got your white Christian station, your black Christian station. And I was listening years ago to the, um, the white Christian station and hearing some things around Christmas time. And it was telling the story of this, uh, this little girl who goes to the carnival with her, her father. And um, they're, they're, you know, playing games and so he, he's throwing the baseball or whatever and he wins a prize and he says baby I want you to pick a prize what do you want so she picks up these these pearls and these aren't real pearls she got it at a carnival right <laughs> it's not the real thing but she's holding on to these pearls she loves these pearls she wore those pearls everywhere she went she took them she put them on her bears and her stuffed animals whatever she had them all the time she loved these pearls and one day she's sitting there and her, her father comes to her and he says 
um, baby, I love you. She says, baby, I, daddy, I love you too. Well, baby, if you love me, I want you to give me those pearls. She's like, oh, daddy, I love you, but I really love these pearls. <laughs> All right. So the next day comes back, baby, I love you. Do you love me? Daddy, I love you. Well, if you love me, I want you to give me those pearls. Oh, daddy, I love you so much, but you know I really love these pearls, daddy. And this goes on for several days, constantly coming in, and she's holding on to the pearls. But one day, dad comes to her, and she's sitting there, and she's crying. Just tears running down that beautiful face. And he goes, baby, what's wrong? Why, why are you crying? She, she opens up her little hands, and there's those pearls. And so he's like, baby, I love you. She goes, daddy, I love you too, and so I want you to have these pearls. And so he, he takes the pearls, gives her a kiss on the head, and he puts the pearls in his pocket. And then he reaches down into his other pocket, and he pearls out a real set of pearls. You see, she was satisfied with the counterfeit. And when she was able to give that up, she was able to experience and have the real thing. We live in this world segregated from one another and separated from one another by our culture. And that's wonderful. And I think sometimes we get satisfied there that this is all that's here. But God has something in the kingdom that is better. And it's hard to imagine because we've been living in sort of this space where we believe and we experience all the things we believe. But there is something better that God is asking of us and preparing for us. We cannot let our culture keep us from the kingdom. So the question goes to you. Do you move towards culture or towards kingdom? What's it going to be? Which one are you striving for? Which one do you believe in? The culture or the kingdom? What about new life at Calvary? This beautiful church full of beautiful people that tends to represent a particular cultural racial group in our country that has an amazing history. Beautiful music, beautiful tradition is really, if I can say it plainly, the culture that redeemed the image of Christianity in this country. It's the culture and the church that really made America a true democracy. And yet, it's not the end. God is preparing even more for us. And he actually needs us, or desires for us to participate in this work. So what's going to be New Life at Calvary? Do you want to pursue the culture or the kingdom? Good. I want you to imagine it. What it would look like for New Life at Calvary to to look up one day, to, to, to stand up and read the Revelation 7-9 passage and look around and you can see the different faces of the cultures and the people in this community in here. What would that look like? What would that say to the world when they saw that? What would that say to this community 
What would that say about the God that we serve who loves all people? Would that make us a place that all people would feel welcome and can come? Yes. What would it look like if, a, if, if New Life at Calvary reached out and engaged in loving witness and connection and community engagement with other churches in this community that maybe don't look quite like us? What would that say to this community that is constantly looking on the, the TV and watching division in the streets? What would that say to those folks? How would that affect our ministry in this kingdom, how would it, in this community? How would it affect how people think about the kingdom? It would guide people towards who Jesus Christ truly is. This evangelism, this desire, your purpose statement, where you want it to be a place where all people are welcome, that communicates it. And so I challenge you to be that church in this community, to set the standard for every other church in this community to make it look like the church in Revelation. Let me pray for you. God, I'm grateful so much for this church, for its history, for its pastor and its pastors. I'm grateful for the people who have spent their time here, who have sweated blood, who have endured hardship to make this church possible, who have volunteered, who have given their lives, given their money, given of their, of their, their efforts and their gift sets to make this church what it is today. God, you have done great things in this church. You have done great things through this church. And you will continue to do great things with this church. And God, so we lift up new life at Calvary, God, that you would put your hands of protection upon this church. That you will let your spirit come and pour itself out on this church in a way that they've never experienced before. That it would, it would be so dense with your spirit in here, God, that it overflows out into the community. We pray that you will create an aroma in this church that is enticing to the community around it, that it will, it will, it will be able to feel the love of this church everywhere they go, no matter what corner they're in, no matter uh, what house they're living in, in the grocery stores or wherever they are, Father, they will be able to feel the love of this community and they will be drawn in to be connected with New Life at Calvary. And I pray as the members of New Life at Calvary leave here, Father, that they would take this aroma and spread it out even further amongst the city and that their homes would also be a tabernacle that people would be drawn to. That the Spirit would be so palpable in each person's home in here that the neighbors around them would come and want to know more about it. God, I pray that, that the neighbors and the, the community will flock to each of these members and to this church like they did at Pentecost, God. That they would be running here and seeing what is going on at this church, what is going on with these people. And that when they come, that they will be ready, that each person, each member here in this church collectively will be ready to stand as Peter did and give a testimony to who Jesus Christ is in this world. God, we ask this. And we know we can't do this by ourselves, God. We know that this is not our mission that we are on, God, but this is your mission we get to participate in.
I pray, Father, that we will never look to see how we're going to make things about us and center things around us and make things about us, God, but that we will put everything and center everything on who you are, God, and what you are going to do, God, and make it about what you want and not what we want, Father. That's what the world wants to do. They want to make it about them. But, God, we are called to something greater. God, we know the world tells us that it is normal, Father. It is normal for us to want to hang out and to be with our cultures and our people and with those who speak like us and talk like us. That it's normal, God. But we know that your word shows us that that is not normal. That is not natural. Because, God, the way you've designed it is you have designed it from the beginning all the way to the end. You have designed for your people and your creation to mix with one another and love one another and to, to live life with one another without fear without death without pain without the oppression and God so I pray that we will be moved towards this work to image you more effectively in the community not just in the way that we look with our tribes and tongues and nations but how we love the community that when people come in and they feel new life Calvary God that they will feel the 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 the, the way that it does in heaven God that no tears will be here because you the, the community will be caring for one another and they will be loving each other. And they'll be loving those around us, God. That no injustice will be able to, to put its foot into this place, God. Because we will stand together as all tribes and tongues and nations against whatever injustice is going after our people, the people of God. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to live as people. To live as your people in this place, in this time. As Pastor Kelly said, for such a time as this. This is a church ready and poised, God, to live into this for such a time as this. Give us the strength and protect us from the enemy who tries to take away our joy, to put, to put our light out. God, help us to let our light shine wherever we go. God, whatever drama, whatever dissension or division exists inside this church, I pray that you will just weed it out. And that you will bring unity into this church so that we can go and model that unity to the community, God. I pray that right now, Father. I don't know what's going on in the, in the midst of this church, but I just pray, God, that you will just raise it up. That you will give it confidence, God. Even in the midst of whatever might be happening and the, the, maybe the self-consciousness, God, that may exist. I know we, we're in the gym and I know everybody wants to be in the sanctuary, but uh, God, you can meet people anywhere. And so I'm grateful that you give us a place with a roof of our heads and a sound system, God, and chairs to come in here and pray and voices to lead us and pastors to lead us. God, help us as we sit in this place, God, for who knows how long we're going to be in this gym today, Father. But we know that you will meet us wherever we are. Where two or more are gathered, God, you will be there. Help that spirit to be with us now, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh. We love you, Lord. You are our God. Yes. And we love you, Lord. Mm. And we tell you so, Father, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody in the church said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Outstanding, Marcus. Outstanding. New Life at Calvary, our covenant partners, our guests, our friends, everyone here today in person and online. Our song we're going to sing is Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And we don't want to miss out, do we? We want to be a Revelation 7 church. And we don't want to miss out. We want to be a part of that. And, and so as we rise to sing this song together, myself, the pastors in the room, elders, lay pastors, we're going to come to you and pray with you where you are. Pastor Marcus said, God meets us where we are. And if you want to get right with Christ today, if you want to renew a commitment with Christ today, we want, we want to pray with you. If you want to give your heart to Christ for the very first time today, we want to celebrate with you. If you just want to get in line with this vision for the church of being threaded together in a multiracial, multi-ethnic church where everybody, say everybody, where everybody has a place. We need your prayers today, so let's all rise and sing together.
today Hassan where you at Hassan Hassan has a birthday 20 on the 27th Vicki Grimm has a birthday on the 29th enjoy enjoy your birthdays enjoy your birthdays we do want to encourage everyone those of you that are already signed up for the threaded Bible study groups they start this week have some good news and some bad news the good news is the classes are full <laughs> the bad news is you're going to have to wait until <laughs> the next se season. But we do have a waiting list. So if you didn't get in part one, you can be in the next session. Threaded is an ongoing ministry, and we want everyone to be involved and to benefit from the training. So let us know. And those of you that still haven't picked up your book, make sure you talk to myself or any of the teachers, Marvin, um, Reginald Woods, who's my other teacher? Andrea, but who's the, I'm missing a fourth teacher. 
Oh, Pastor Toby, thank you. <laughs> you can talk to Gail for Pastor Toby's class. And, and uh, yeah, Walter and Katie Glenn. All right, so look through the bulletin for an announcements. You all know we have community meal. We'll be feeding folks on Tuesday. We need your help volunteers at 4.30. Ushers are selling cupcakes today. This is your day to get them cupcakes. Women's Guild meets this Tuesday at 1 o'clock. We had the, one, the, uh, the 9 o'clock a.m. adult Sunday school. We do invite everyone to adult Sunday school. The Men's Association is meeting after church today. Amen. Women's Day is coming up, praise God. Pastor Antonio and I had a fantastic time in Texas. It was amazing, and I am so spoiled in my head. I think I live in Texas now, y'all. <laughs> I was like, who eats like this? This how y'all eat all the time? Oh, man, y'all. <laughs> Pastor Marcus was right about them beef ribs. <laughs> so we have made wonderful friends. And so Pastor Antonia and I are so excited to have our own Women's Day here with, here with New Life at Calvary. But women are still invited to come. Last night, when we were at the threaded session last night, I roped in two more new women to come and join us at the Women's uh, Day, uh, the retreat. So look at the details. Speak to Lorene, uh, Bessie, Bessie Smith. They can all give you information. Anyone on the Women's Association? Who are you pointing to? Oh, Diane, thank you, Diane. You can talk to all those ladies over there on the wall. <laughs> They'll give you some information. Oh, oh, yeah, because it's going to be a special choir for Women's, Women's Sunday. So please see Gwen about singing in the choir. Today? Okay, Pastor Antonia would like to speak to anyone that's a part of the prison ministry so you can see her after church today. And uh, let me see. Just making sure men... Oh, guess what, y'all? Cindy and I both had grandkids over the weekend. <laughs> so Cindy Craig Fry and her uh, partner Morris, they welcomed in a newborn on the 22nd. And she sent me his name, and I left my cell phone in the office, y'all. But it's a beautiful, big baby boy. He's gorgeous. And, so, and then Terrence and I, last night, or yesterday at 4 o'clock, Terry had our number six granddaughter <laughs> yes so you all will be meeting her soon her name is harlow so now we're just waiting for gail for jada to okay Jay gail is not having a baby <laughs> i mean she did not become sarah y'all <laughs> Her granddaughter, Jada, is expecting, I think she's due in February, February, so we are being blessed by life, by so many babies being born, so continue to pray for the couples. Yes, Carrie. Yes, Carrie finally gets a vacation, you all. <laughs> he's um, he's going to be traveling. Where are you going, Carrie? Huntsville. Oh, yeah, Huntsville, Alabama. So please pray for Carrie to have travel. Mary's, where are you going, Mary? Everybody's going down south. Like, okay, I need y'all to put your hands up and promise to come back. <laughs> that southern hospitality is something else. They even drive nicely down south, y'all. They, they let you in. <laughs> so nice, so nice. You all remember that. In my message last week, we talked about we're building people and we're building a building, right? 
So there's the building pledge is still on the form. So those of you that need to turn that in, you can complete that and continue to pray for our church. Amen. We're going to get back in that sanctuary <laughs> together and hopefully looking a lot more multicultural. Amen. <laughs> Multi multiracial. So I think did I get, oh, Saints, we need to continue to pray for Patricia Rouse, uh, Matt's, I mean, not Matt, Mary James' daughter. She, um, she got a really difficult diagnosis this past week. She has a blood disease called Von Willie Brand blood disease. There is no cure and no treatment at all. And she's been trying to figure out for years why she doesn't feel good. And you know, you keep going to the doctor, you keep going to the doctor, they keep trying, they tell you it's in your head and all those things. And they finally figured it out. But the problem is, they know what it is, they don't have a treatment. And that's devastating. So we're going to continue to pray for Pat, support Pat, and walk alongside Pat and Mary. So, and keep encouraging her, you know, it's very difficult when you have health conditions. So, And the River of Life? Still having a banquet, praise God. The uh, souvenir journal forms are in the back, so you can fill out the information to buy an ad to support. For those of you that don't know, the River of Life International Church worships in our building uh, after we finish worshiping, amen. And uh, Reverend Benassi is working with the church way over in Liberia to build a brand new church. And we get to be a part of that, praise God. We get to be a part of that. So not only are we here in America making a difference, we're way over in Liberia making a difference. We do want to welcome. I see a lot of guests back. From, they're back. You haven't been here for a while. Can you give us a wave? I see Artemis. I see Marta. Who else is here that hasn't been here for a while? I don't have my glasses on. Oh, Promise and Anaya. Who, you just waved at me. I can't see your face. Yes. Tell us your name. Yvonne, thank you. Thank you for all of our returning guests. It's nice to see you all back. Again, we welcome Pastor Jack, Pastor Keith, and all the folks from uh, Bay Presbyterian Church and Bridge City Church. So I'm going to say one more thing. Say one more thing. Well, I actually got to say two because I'm going to do the benediction. <laughs> Today is the first anniversary for Bridge City Church. Hallelujah. God has accomplished amazing things through Pastor Keon and the team over at Bridge City Church. They have people worshiping every Sunday. They have money, amen, <laughs> to pay the bills. And they have a, a, just a community ministry that is growing. And they've made it their first year. We want to support that, don't we? So say, ask me, Pastor Kelly, how can I support that? Thank you. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Today at 4 o'clock, they're having a special worship service. They're going to have Pastor Marcus come back. He's going to preach again over there. And so if you want to know part two, you need to come on over the bridge. <laughs> and then you're going to get some food and fellowship, and we'll be able to work, to see the church in action, saints, just see us all together. So I know some of y'all are going to say, but I got something to do. No, you don't. <laughs> No, you don't. This is the most important thing for all of us to do if we can go over and support our daughter church today at 4 o'clock. Artemis? Bridge City Church. Who, who has that address? Pastor Jack? 
Oh, it's in the bulletin, but one more time. 3389 Fulton. It's about 15 minutes away from here by the zoo. If you know where the zoo is, you're real close. <laughs> yes. It's a campus of buildings. So it's like, you know, it's more than one. It's all in one block. And they always have folks out there helping us, y'all. So just, just get over there. They'll find you. Demetrius? Yes, the Cuyahoga Vikings are back in action off a of summer break. Young people, parents, grandparents, you need something for your kids to do. Demetrius loves having them. Him and Daisha, dinner and a movie this coming Saturday. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Are you talking about bridge? Okay. Thanks. So let's all rise to receive the benediction, and I'll see y'all at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the community meal. Hallelujah. Gracious and holy God, as we prepare to depart from this place, but never from your sight, precious Jesus, we pray, Lord, that we take all the fruit of your Holy Spirit with us today, your love, your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, your goodness, your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that we do not want to let the culture keep us from being the kingdom. Help us be your kingdom people. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm mighty glad you came to church today. I'm home.